Amen. I just had, um, wanted to mention one more thing that on October 17th, uh, that night, we're going to have a dinner and um, a night to honor teachers, those who are teachers in their profession. So if you're a teacher and we haven't spoken to you yet, if you can, if you can come to me or Lou or Veronica after the service or any of the youth, you received invitations. We want to remind you. Um, even, even though you'd have to see your teacher one more night, we still want you to bring them because this is a chance for them to get touched by God. Um, okay, so again, my name is Gary Fishman. Um, last night, I, I don't know, last night I, I did an all-nighter. At, at my age, that means I went the whole night without having to get up to go to the bathroom. But I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm going to be 61 later in the month. But let, let's face it, when, when a young person is beautiful, it's an accident. But when an old person is beautiful, it's a work of art. Come. Actually, I knew I, got, I knew I was getting old when I found out they discontinued my blood type. That's really, in fact, last night I was watching Jurassic Park, you know, the movie, and it was bringing back old memories. I said, wow, I'm in trouble here. So, um, Alice is giving me that look, I better move on, right? She said, that's enough of that stuff. So, I'm gonna be continuing in the Simplify series and I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 15. It's in the New Testament. In the, it's a gospel written by Matthew, one of the disciples. So Matthew chapter 15, starting in verse 1. And it's speaking of the Pharisees. Who are the Pharisees? They were the Jewish religious leaders in the time of Jesus. It says, then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. I'm going to skip down to verse 8. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. And see, as I said, the Pharisees were the religious leaders, and what they liked to do was complicate religion. What was meant to be a simple faith, they made it complicated, and they confronted Jesus because he's as he was going out doing his miracles, setting people free, preaching the good news, they became angry because he didn't do things their way. And he said, well, you and your disciples, you don't wash your hands before you eat. Now, that might not sound like a big deal to you, but in Jewish religion, and I grew up a religious Jew, I went, I graduated from a school called the yeshiva where I was studying to be a rabbi and I kept a lot of these laws and traditions and according to Jewish tradition, before you eat, you have to wash your hands. 
in a ritual way. You have to take the water and you have to pour it three times over each hand. And then you have to say a certain prayer. And then you can't say anything until you actually eat the bread. Because somehow they thought by doing all this complicated rituals that it would somehow make them holy and pure before God. So, so, so when I was a religious Jew, I thought that I could be right with God by always wearing one of those yarmulkes, you know, those little beanies that, that people wear. I only ate kosher food. Kosher means it's only food that the Old Testament said was okay. I had to face the East whenever I was praying and say long prayers. Uh, the Pharisees, they love to stand out on the streets and they love to wear these long religious robes because they were filled with pride. And the Bible says not only did they complicate what it meant to be a child of God, but that they took heavy loads and placed it on the backs of everybody else so that nobody could come to God. There were people who studied the Bible for hours and hours. And here they were confronting Jesus saying, you're not doing all this stuff. You can't be right with God. So what if you're healing the sick? So what if blind people are beginning to see? The dead people are being raised. We don't care about that. All we care about is if you washed your hands before you ate. And here's what Jesus answered them. Verse 10. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Well, here's what he said, all that ritual, all the hand washing, the fancy clothes, the, the long prayers, it's all worthless unless the thing, when you speak, you speak life. If, you, if you're a person that tears down, that accuses, that points the finger, what did Jesus says, you are defiled. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. See, it, it, all that stuff, it could be nice, Wearing the long dress and not wearing makeup and making as if, well, that's what makes me right with God. Jesus said, no, it's what's in here. And if you want to know what somebody got in here, listen to the words that they speak. If you take the very words of your mouth and you love to gossip. Oh, let me tell you about gossip. There's two kinds of gossip. There's the person who speaks the gossip and the person who listens to it. If you're a person who loves to listen to negative stories about people, then you are just as guilty. You are defiled. In Isaiah chapter 58, God said that there's two things 
that the, that the people did wrong. He was speaking about the religious people in Israel. And they came to God and they said, but we're doing everything. We fast. We pray. We keep all the holidays. We don't work on the Sabbath. We only eat the right foods. So they came to God and said, how come you're not blessing us? And you know how God responded? He says, there's two things I have against you. The accusing tongue and the pointing finger. James chapter 1 verse 26 if you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worth it. I, I don't care how many scriptures you know by heart. You could, you could win every Bible trivia contest. You can dress right. You can act a certain way. I don't care if, if you never watch one wrong thing on TV. You never take drugs. You don't do any of those things. But your religion is worthless if, if you love to tear down people, if you love to speak about pastors and churches. Oh, but that's not how they used to do it in my old church. Well, then there's the door. Go back to your old church. Praise God. What, what, what does the word say? It says, if you have something against someone in Matthew, you go to them privately. That was smooth. If you got something against me, I don't want somebody coming back to tell me, oh, this one said this. Oh, but they said you don't do that. If you don't come to me privately, I have no respect for what you got to say. We don't, it, it's not okay. It's not okay to be blasting people over the phone. To say, oh, but I, I don't like what, what they're preaching, what they're doing, those songs they sing. Why don't you try coming up here and spending hours praying over the songs every week that the worship team, every week they seek God. Why don't you try spending hours a week praying and seeking God for a message? It's easy to sit and say, oh, that's not how I would do it. If you have something against someone, somebody has hurt you, there's nothing in the Bible that says it's okay to, be, to begin to start criticizing. Just, the Bible calls it murmuring and complaining. You go to that person privately. In fact, the next time somebody comes to me and says, oh, did you hear the, the, the story about this one? I'll say, no but I'm gonna go with you to that person and we could tell them. <laughs> Proverbs chapter six. It tells us in Proverbs chapter six, the things that God hates. Now, yes, God is a God of love and grace. He doesn't hate you. 
Even if you do any of these things, he doesn't hate you. But let me tell you something. I want to hate what God hates and loves what God loves. I, I don't want to do the things God hates and then say, oh, but he doesn't see my sin. Oh, he's a God of love. I'll just live however I want. There's something in the Bible called the fear of the Lord. Yes, the, Romans 11 says there's the love of God, but there's also the severity of God. And here's what God hates. I'm not going to go over everything, but he says, God says, I hate a lying tongue. I hate people that kill the innocent. I, I hate false witnesses that pour out lies. And you know what the last thing he said he hates? A person who sows discord in a family. Again, he doesn't hate people. We're living in the New Testament. But I want to live a life that's pleasing to God. And what does that mean, sowing discord in a family? It means bringing division and telling people something about someone else to agitate them. It, it, it says in Proverbs that when someone tells you gossip, it's like the most delicious food that when you eat it, it goes deep down inside. That's why I see people get so excited. You ever, I never in my life see people get so excited if someone says, I got gossip, and they all start shaking. Why do they do that? Like this. Oh, yeah. we. Everybody gets all hyper. Why? Because in our natural self, we love to hear bad reports about somebody else, not us. Because how bad our sins look when somebody else commits them. Wow. If someone else does the bad things we do, it's for some reason it looks a lot worse. You see, the Pharisees, they got offended at Jesus. There he was showing love, bringing healing, deliverance refusing to be angry, refusing to hit back. And the Bible says that they were offended at him. They spoke against him. They tried to kill him. But I'm going to continue in Matthew chapter 15. I'm going to go down to verse 21. And it tells us about a person in the same chapter with a different heart. On one hand, we had all these religious people, the people who day and night went in the temple. Day and night, they did rituals, they prayed. They acted all holy. They followed all the rules. And Jesus told them, you are like whitewashed tombs filled with dead men's bones. But, but now, on the other hand, I want to introduce you to this woman. She was a Syrophoenician woman. You know what that means? She's the descendant of all these ISIS people trying to kill people out in Syria and Iraq. 
She was not from the people of God. She was a pagan idol worshiper. But when she heard about Jesus, something happened in her heart. See, it's simple. It's about faith. It doesn't matter who you are, where you came from. And she heard about Jesus and something in her rose up, even though she was rejected by the, by the Israelites. And I want to show you her story. Matthew 15, verse 21. It says, leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman, which means she was not an Israelite like everyone else in the New Testament, from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word, so his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request, request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. That's an amazing story. Let's go step by step. Here's this woman. She wasn't an Israelite. She came to Jesus. She said, Jesus, son of David, ha have mercy on me. My daughter needs healing. She's sick. She's filled with the devil. And you know what the Bible said? Jesus didn't answer her. He ignored her. How many of you right there would have been offended and gone home? You walk into church. Oh, I need healing. I I'm having problems, and you're ignored most of us would get offended and give up. But there was something in this woman that refused to give up on what God had for her. She wasn't going to let the devil rise up in her and steal the miracle, steal the blessing. Most 90% of the people I know, they would have been gone out that church right there. Oh, the pastor didn't talk to me. I wish I had a quarter for everyone who left churches because they said the pastor didn't talk to them when after the service, the pastor got 20 people trying to get their attention. You see, that's immaturity. I'm going to respond and I'm going to get offended and I'm going to walk away and I'm not going to receive what God has for me. But she refused. They ignored her. It, the only thing is, it starts getting worse after that. After he ignored her, the disciples went and said, get rid of her. She's annoying us. Send her away. She keeps crying out. Can you imagine that? You walk into a place and there's Jesus and everyone's saying, get out of here. We, we, we don't want you. You're, you're an annoyance. How many of you would get offended, go home and start trashing that church? 
this woman wasn't even a child of God. Boom. I hope that wasn't a sign of something. <laughs> they told her, get her out of here. We, you, we, we don't want you here. And she stood her ground. Because there's something about, about going after God where the enemy will do whatever he can to offend you, to give up on your destiny, to give up on your dream, to give up on your miracle. He's going to get you offended at someone, but not this woman. The only problem after that, it got worse. They ignored her. They told her to get lost. And then she went to Jesus and said, I need a miracle. She wouldn't give up. And Jesus said, I only came for the Israelites. I didn't come for you. In other words, you're the wrong people group. You're the wrong color. You're the wrong race. You can't come here for no miracle. Coming from Jesus. And do you know that lady refused to leave? You see, I'm challenged by this story. I get offended much more easy than that. But here's this woman, even when he said, you're, you're not the right kind of people for us. We, we, we got nothing for you. And the lady kept pressing in. You see, that's what it takes sometimes. You gotta, you gotta come to a place of maturity where you can become unoffendable. The only thing is, it's going to get worse in a minute. Then she said, yes, but I want healing. I came to you for healing. And Jesus said, it's not right to take the children's bread. And back in those days, Jesus came first for the Israelites. And so healing was their bread. He said, it wouldn't be right if I take that bread that belongs to the Israelites and and give it to you, a dog. He says, and toss it to the dogs. He called her a dog. And do you know what she answered? She said, yes. But even the little dogs eat up the crumbs that fall under the table. And Jesus said, he said, go because your faith has made your daughter well. You know what that shows me? That there was purpose. It shows me that God will put people in your path to offend you to see how serious you are. Those people, some people that offended you and you're blaming the devil, God will put people in your path in order to draw true faith out of your heart. You gotta make a determination right now that what God has for me is more important than what some names that somebody call me. That person who doesn't like me, the one who ignored me. You say, I, I want God, I want what he's got for me and you can't stop me. I've already made a decision in my heart. You can ignore me, call me a dog, when people say my name, you don't even have to gossip. All you people, you got to do, roll your eyes. You know how people do? You don't have to gossip. 
or you give people those killer looks without saying a word. You know, those dead stares. You, you've got to determine right now before you leave this building that your destiny, your purpose, man is not going to take it from you. If you allow that to happen, the devil will raise up people to offend you day and night because he knows he'll knock you right out of the church, right off course. You keep your eyes fixed. Paul the apostle said, I keep my eyes on the prize. I, I, I want to read one more story. This is a highly unusual story. And it's from 2 Samuel chapter 16. It's starting in verse 5, and it's about King David. King David was a man after God's own heart. He was a mighty warrior, but his son had taken the kingdom right out from him. And because of that, he had to take his men and run away. And here's, what, here's some of the story in verse 5. As King David approached Bahurim, a man from the same clan as Saul's family came out from there. Now, who was Saul? Saul was the king before David. So here was one of his relatives, and he was angry at David, blaming him for taking the kingdom away from Saul, even though it wasn't true. Saul died in the battle, so he was being falsely accused. He pelted David and all the king's officials with stones. Though all the troops and the special guard were on David's right and left. As he cursed, Shemai said, Get out, get out, you murderer, you scoundrel. The Lord has repaid you for all the blood you shed in the household of Saul. And down in verse 9, one of David's soldiers said, let's get rid of this guy. Let's cut off his head. This guy, this guy's a nuisance. We're not going to listen to him. But what did David respond? Leave him alone. Let him curse. For the Lord has told him to. It may be that the Lord will look upon my misery and restore to me his covenant blessing instead of his curse today. What was David? And David kept on riding the horse. And as he kept on riding, here's this guy saying, you good for nothing, you scoundrel, you murderer, throwing rocks at him. And David chose to ignore him because David said, who knows? You got to get this. He said, who knows, but if I don't repay evil for evil, maybe God will look on my affliction and turn my curse into a blessing. 
In 1 Peter 3, 9, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. This is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. When people try to knock you off course, people curse you. They stand in your way. They hurt you on purpose trying to get a reaction out of you, trying to take you out of the position God put you in. What does is, what is the Bible say? Don't curse them back. Don't act in offense, but bless them instead. The hardest thing in the whole Bible right there. But what will happen? God will turn around that curse. He'll see from heaven if you'll respond the right way, if you won't get on the phone and start trashing people, if you won't sit for hours imagining how you're going to get back at that person, if you will respond with love, then God will see and he'll turn that situation around. He will turn it into a blessing. You see, King David, he knew what it meant through his whole life to be rejected. Even, even when he was a boy, the, the prophet Samuel, he, he came to David's house and said, somebody in this house was called to be the king. So David's father brought out all the brothers, all these big, handsome guys, and Samuel said, no, it's none of them. Don't you have anybody else, any other son? He, oh, yeah, we got one more, but he's nothing. He's out working with the sheep. You don't want to see him. And, and he brought David in, and Samuel said, that's the one, and anointed him with oil. His own father said, he's not, he can't be the king. He's nothing. But David refused to become bitter in his heart. If, if anyone could get you to become bitter, it's over for you. It'll start to tear at you and eat you up. Then David got older. He went to fight the giant. And you know what his brother said? What are you doing here? This isn't a game for little kids. Do you think he let his own brother, his words, his mocking, his cursing stop him? He put on the armor, and he went out, and he killed that giant. You better stop letting people hold you back. In fact, I, I want to pray right now before I go on. If there's any one of you and in your life, You've received, people have spoken against you. People have wounded you. They've cursed you. They've gossiped against you. Just where you're at, if you could stand, I just want to say a prayer that God's going to turn that into a blessing right now. You don't have to do anything. If you could just stand, I'm believing right now that those curses, that abuse that you suffered, those people that said you're not going to make it, there's some of you the Lord's showing me need to stand. There was an ex-boyfriend, an ex-husband that trashed you. You need to stand right now because we're going to break that thing off you right now. Right now in Jesus' name. You're not going to be tormented anymore. So, Father, right now, 
In the name of Jesus, I break the power of those words off of the people of God. Every word spoken over you saying, oh, you're not good enough. Why do you have to look like that? Why do you have to be that way? You'll never get anywhere. You can't sing. You can't minister. You'll never have anything. You'll never get anywhere. You're, you're not holy like the rest of us. In Jesus' name, I break the power of those words off you. Just let it go right now. Right now, let those words that were spoken over you, those stones that were tossed at you, right now, just receive healing. I break the power right now in Jesus' name, and I release a blessing. Receive the blessing in place of the curse. I decree over you that you are blessed. That your that your job in your job you're blessed for the coworker who said you're not good enough. For the boss that, that said, Oh, you'll never make it here. In Jesus' name, I bless you to prosper, to go above and beyond. I, I release right now the glory of God to touch you, to touch your family in Jesus' name. I break the words of ex-boyfriends, ex-husbands in Jesus' name, ex-wives, ex-girlfriends that, that made you feel like nothing, that made you feel worthless. Right now, those words have no effect. I break it, and I bless you right now to succeed in relationships in Jesus' name. I call forth for... Those who are single, I call forth the right mate that God has for you in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, for those who had persecution because of your race or color, in Jesus' name, we say it, it's not going to stand in your way anymore. In Jesus' name, for those of you who've had church people, pastors who have gossiped about you, who've torn you up with their very words, those who you trusted to minister to you, that instead, through darts, through stones at you, I want to say I'm sorry in Jesus' name, and I say it has no more power over your life. You are free. Just receive freedom right now in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, I declare that you are free, that man is not going to hold you back anymore. Let it go. Let it go. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Don't worry. We're almost done, except there's no clock up there, so I don't even... In fact, there's no scarier feeling in the world than if you think the preacher lost track of the time. I'm going to ask Miguel. He's going to come and help me. And as he's coming, I, I want to read this scripture. Mark chapter 11, verse 25. I'm reading it in the Amplified Bible. So I don't need the microphone then. If it's the Amplified Bible. Wait. It says... 
And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him and let it drop. Leave it, let it go. In order that in in order that your Father who is in heaven may also forgive you your own failings and shortcomings and let them drop. What's it saying? If you come into church and worshiping and there's someone there that you hate or somebody back at work or a family member who hurts you and you're holding bitterness and anger and resentment. It's saying let it drop. But otherwise, it's going to hinder your prayers. You see, like that woman who needed the miracle, she wasn't going to let those people hinder her prayers. You, she said, you could tell me to get lost. You can ignore me, but I'm here for a purpose. And God's saying, when you stand here worshiping like we did today, whatever you hold against someone, let it go. Let God deal with it. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay, says your God. That's not your job. That's his job. So we drop it and let it go, and then watch God go deal with that jerk. You, you want to deal with these people? Have fun. What I want to do, I want to drop it, I want to bless everyone because I need to sleep at night. I've I, I, I spent too many nights tormented with the things that people have done, with the injustices. I, I, I need peace in my heart. I'm choosing to let it all go. So I asked Miguel to come, who... Who, who's the head of our inner healing and healing ministry, just to lead you in a time of doing just that, of dropping that thing that's been eating at you. We have to drop it because we can no longer allow bitterness, anger, resentment to be a canker worm and eat away at our lives, where we're reaching for the grace of God and we cannot grab it because the bitterness is disconnecting us from God. See, we cannot allow the sin of people to cause us to sin in return. We can't allow, you know, because I'm not called, you know, to accept all that love from you. I'm called to love you. So God is repositioning us to be in a place of love and just to release the control, release what they're doing to you so that we could be in a place that in that forgiveness, that we have that peace back in our life, that grace back in our life, that joy back in our life. So whatever you have, whatever sin that's been done against you, whatever you feel that's, you know, that's you're holding on to because this one did that, my wife did this, my husband did that, my kids did that, my job did that. It's not about what they're doing. It's about what God calls us to do. So right now, sometimes we don't know how to receive this. We don't know how to get back to the place where where we should be. And it's not something that you're doing alone. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. So what we need to do is we need to connect with God and do it with God. Sometimes, yeah, I forgive them, but then all of a sudden we cross the street when we see them. That's not real forgiveness. 
God wants us to be in the face of all adversity and still look at them and smile and say, I'm not the victim. You're the victim. And I'm here to love you. And I'm here to pray for you. And I'm here to bring you through. So it's not always about me, me, me. It's about I'm so filled with the love of God that regardless of what you do, you're not going to pull me in a fence. I'm going to love you through your offense and the fence that's around you, trapping you from being free in God. So right now, if all of us could just close our eyes for a minute. Father, we just thank you that each and every one of us in this corporate session has the Christ in us, Father. We have the Christ within us, God. And sometimes even we try to do things in our own strength, even forgiveness. And Peter said, Father God, that how many times shall I forgive? You said, he, he said, in other words, 70 times 7. In other words, if somebody continues to keep sinning and sinning and sinning, you are the one who taught me just on the cross, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. They know not what they, they don't know who they are in Christ. They don't know how, what they're moved. They're moved by their own past. They're moved by their hurts. They're moved by their own agenda. So, Father, you know, I can no longer and we can no longer forgive in our own strength and ability. So, in our union with you and in connection with you, you become the very source that we need. I don't make man my source no more. We release man from every demand and expectation that they have to love me and be what only you can be for me. So right now, everybody, just become aware of the Spirit of God right now. He's not in the heavens. He's within you. So as we become aware of him, pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, you live in me. And I ask you now to be my forgiveness, be my grace. And this person that has offended me, I release you as forgiveness to go to the problem and break through the problem. And I release you now in Jesus' name. Now just give him like 10 minutes, 10, I mean 10 seconds to just flow. Just let him move. Just let the Spirit of God move even through your life. This the day of the big preacher laying hands on me is over because Christ is in me. He's moving through me. He's breaking through my walls. He's breaking through my hurts, my bitterness, my anger, my resentment. He's breaking through. He's breaking through abuse right now. He's breaking through verbal abuse right now. He's breaking through hurts and pains right now. He's breaking through parent issues right now. He's breaking through even teacher issues right now. Those who had authority over us right now he's breaking all of those things yeah they were supposed to love you and they were supposed to bring you in a place where you feel safe and secure but right now your security does not lie on how much you are loved and unloved your security on lies and how much you are loved by God himself and receive it right now receive that forgiveness right now and allow the exchange of God to replace that a negative emotion of anger bitterness with the peace of God, in Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come, we're gonna close, but as they're coming, I just wanna tell you a little of my testimony. You see, 
When I was five years old, and I, I, some of you have heard this before, but when I was five years old, my father left. And sometimes I didn't see him again for years. And in the meantime, my mother remarried a violent, brutal alcoholic. And in all those times, when my sister was being raped, when things were going on in the house, where was my father? He was with, busy with his new family. And in the meantime, my family put the funk in dysfunction. And I saw the other kids, they had a father watching for them. My stepfather was always too drunk to come to the school to be at anything. And then I grew up and I said, well, if my father wasn't gonna talk to me, I'm never gonna talk to him either. And I refused. He tried to reconnect, especially when my daughter was born. And one day I just threw him out. And, and I didn't say, I'm never gonna call him again. But then one day I received Jesus and I started to read the Bible where Jesus, they na put nails in his hands and his feet. They pulled out his beard. They spat on him. They mocked him. They laughed at him. They took, they took a whip and they hit his back 39 times. They made a crown out of thorns and put it in his head and all the thorns went through. They tortured him and as he hung on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And that prayer goes all the way down to me because it was my sin that put him on the cross. And, and I decided right then that if there's a God that would do that for me, I'm gonna let the bitterness go. And the last few years before my father died, I was able to reconnect with him. And I was able to be there at his deathbed. And I believe he's going to be in heaven because I believe that, that he gave his heart to the Lord, even though it was hard to tell because he was so sick and he wasn't in his right mind. And all the sleepless nights disappeared. All the hatred, all the energy I poured into hating him, I was able to pour into loving God and loving people and doing what God called me to do. And the enemy hasn't been able to steal one more day from me. I just challenge every one of you to just drop it, let it all go. Can we just stand and worship God right now? Will you worship 